You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The epistle of John, the first epistle of John. And we've been talking about overcoming our weaknesses and uh, what are some of the things that we talked about last week uh, in regards to overcoming our weaknesses, if you were here? I remember one of the big things is not excusing our weaknesses. We've been talking about temperaments. We've been talking about that God made us the way that we are, gave us the temperaments that he has given us, and not to use those as an excuse. So don't excuse your weaknesses. Uh, what are some of the excuses? Anybody remember some of the excuses for some of the weaknesses? Or what are some of the weaknesses or what are some of the excuses? You make them, so all you got to do is think about it. Yeah, I'm sick. I've... Uh, and, 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 you know, that's a powerful one. I appreciate Judy speaking up because you, you're, you're sick. I've got a right to be angry. I've got a right to be bitter. Uh, I've got a right to, you know, what, to, to make these demands. And, you know, so you can justify this uh, weakness. Uh, what's some other ways that we justify our, what's that? Marriage. Marriage, yeah, you can, uh, between marriage. A lot of times we, uh, how many people blame their parents? Well, my you know, my mom was a worrier. Grandma was a worrier. Uh, you know what? We're just a family of worriers. That's just, we excuse our weaknesses. But we talk about one of the things that we're going to need to overcome is, number one, at the very least, because I said that not all of our weaknesses are necessarily sin. I talked about one of, one of my weaknesses is procrastinating. Uh, in and of itself, procrastination is not a sin. Uh, I mean, it can be sinful, and it may result from sin, so I don't need to confess, you know, you know, oh, I, uh, I, was, going to cut, I was supposed to cut the lawn Monday, I didn't do it till Friday, it's not like I've got to go to God and say, oh, God, forgive me, I might have to go to Melanie and say, oh, Melanie, forgive me, uh, but, but, the, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's not a sin, but at the same time, I just don't need to excuse it, I need to acknowledge that, uh, the, the, the problem with it, but now, here's the thing, we do need to be able to identify and confess those weaknesses of ours that are sins as the sins they are. And I've already mentioned a couple. When we're angry, when we're angry people, the Bible says be angry and sin not. But what, does, what are some of the stipulations that we find in the Bible concerning be angry and sin not? Just in the way of review. So does that mean you can just go around being mad all the time and then just quote the verse? Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. When is the right time to be angry? When is it right? When's a justified anger against sin? And here's the thing that you'll all, one of the big disclaimers or, or one of the big qualifiers, I should say, that you can find is that anger, ju justified anger is not anger because something somebody did to me or said to me. It almost always involves someone else, someone else being hurt, someone else, uh, you know, abortion is a good example of, of a justified anger. Uh, I mean, you know, but, but it's not a justified anger for me to say, you know, so-and-so so cut me off, so I'm going to cu cut them back off uh, on, the, on the highway, you know, and, and show them my IQ as I pass by and slam on the brakes and, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, that, that's not a justified anger. So be angry and sin not. Confess your anger. When you're angry, the only way you're going to begin to overcome and get God to help you with your anger, start confessing it as the sin that it is. 
Start confessing your worry as the sin that it is. Is worry a sin? And again, remember, legit, there, there can be a fine line, can't there? If you've got kids, you've got grandkids, you've got loved ones, we're concerned. I mean, uh, we would be, I think it'd be sinful for us not to be concerned about the people that we love. Uh, seriously. And seriously concerned. But the thing is, is you just got to watch when that crosses the line of concern into worry and anxiety. Uh, because basically, that's when we are not trusting God. That's when we're not believing God. That's when whatsoever is not a faith is sin. We're not trusting God with a situation. If you find yourself, I mean, you, you, you worry about the way the country's going. Well, I'm concerned about it, but I try not to let that ever cross into worry or what have you. Uh, so uh, the, the point of the matter is whatever your weakness may be, uh, we talked about lust, and we talked about this can be uh, being a man. I can identify with this one uh, more as, as addressing men, but a man can just say, well, I'm just a red-blooded American male. You know, uh, you know what, what am I supposed to do when a pretty woman looks, walks by? Or what am I supposed to do when this image pops up? What, what do you expect? I mean, man, God made me, uh, you know, to desire women. And it's like, well, that's correct. But the devil wants to pervert that desire and, uh, you know, uh, get you to look on a woman to lust after her. Um, and there's, there's an old thing I heard on the way in the, in the direction of lust and where your eyes go uh, on uh, that it's not the first look that gets you. In other words, somebody walks by, I don't care who it is, you're probably going to look. I don't care if it's a, a man, woman, boy, girl, how good, good they look. You just see somebody, you catch, catch the eye. But the problem is, is when you take that second look. And man, there's a real victory when God helps you, and God will help you not to take that second look. Uh, and the third look, and, and, and so on. But uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, do not justify whatever the weakness is that you deal with, uh, we all have weaknesses, uh, but whatever they are, God will give you grace. God will help you, but you have got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm no longer making excuses for my weakness. I'm not making excuses for my laziness. I'm not making excuses for none of this. It's just wrong. So facing your weakness as, and, and, it, and not excusing it, and if it's a sin, facing it as a sin. What's one of the words that, uh, we often use just for sickness, uh, oftentimes, but really the word means weakness. What's a, what's a New Testament word that we find starts with an I that means weakness? The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, uh, our weaknesses. And so praise, we, don't have, we don't have an excuse. We don't need to make an excuse because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. We've already studied about the fruit of the Spirit. He will empower you and help you. So the Spirit also helps with our infirmities. I mean, uh, the Bible says, talks about how uh, Jesus is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He will give you strength through your weaknesses. Okay, so that's just a little bit of a recap of last week. Uh, do not, anybody in here have a, ever have an issue with trying to justify your sin, justify your weakness? We usually do. Now, after we recognize it and identify it for what it is, this is why I told you to turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. What do we do? We confess it. We confess it as the sin that it, as it is. This kind of goes similar to the, the first point, but the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, and I, and I think also about where the Bible says, uh, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth 
and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. So, do you ever, does your weakness keep popping up again and again? Right? I mean, that's why it's an infirmity. That's why it's a weakness, because it is something that we struggle with. Now, the good news is, is though we may struggle with our weaknesses, honestly, till the day we die, what we find, and I think maybe you could even look back in your own life, I can definitely testify to the fact that these weaknesses don't, some of these weaknesses don't have near the grip or influence on me that they once had. Do they still pop up? They sure do. But by the grace of God, I've got a couple things. You know, I, I talked about the, 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 the looking on a woman to look at, lust after. I talked about taking that second look. <laughs> you know, it is an awesome thing when God just helps you that, and where you don't take that second look. And you're just like, hallelujah. And it's like, yeah, so the, the temptation, the more you grow in the word of God, the, more, the closer you walk with God, the more power we have to overcome our weaknesses. So confess our sin. So what do you do when you uh, sin? Don't excuse it. Confess it. How often should you confess it? Every time. Every time. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone has called this verse the Christian's bar of soap. Um, uh, and, and maybe that's the, 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 a little bit simplified, but it's intended to be used regularly, just like a bar of soap would, to keep us from going through long periods of time in our lives. Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, man, the, your prayer life is so vital in your life that it's important that we keep our prayer life uh, strong. But our prayer lives are short-circuited when there's unconfessed sin in our lives. Because if we're excusing it, if we're covering it, if we're hiding it, I'm telling you, man, it hinders our lives. It hinders our prayer life. And I'm telling you, if it's hindering our prayer life, what that means is it's hindering our closeness with God. You know, think about where God said, you know, that, that my hand is not shortened, that it can't save, or my ear heavy, that it can't hear. But he said, your sins have separated between you and your God. And so our, our sin separates us. It, it, it hurts our relationship. It hurts our prayer life. And so if we don't face, for instance, our selfishness, anger, and fear as sin, our prayer effectiveness will be curtailed. But that prayer life can be reestablished the moment that confession is sought. I'm glad God forgives us, don't you? I'm glad, man, does anybody ever get frustrated with themselves? I sure do. <laughs> I mean, I get frustrated with myself because of these weaknesses, because of my temperament weaknesses. It's just so annoying. But I'm glad that God is patient. He's long-suffering. He's kind. There's a great promise in the book of Lamentations where the Bible says that, uh, that great is thy faithfulness. It talks about thy compassions fail not. It says they are new every morning. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so his faithfulness is great. And every day his compassions are new. And really the, the picture of that every day is just to say all the time. Amen. God is never just like, I've, just, I've had enough. I can't stand Ron one more day. If Ron does this one more time, it's done. I, I, I just can't handle it anymore. Uh, God's not that way. Praise God. Uh, 
But what we got to do is by faith, we got to believe what God said, and we can't be so selfish that we start thinking. Sometimes we don't say this, but sometimes we almost think that our weakness and our sin is greater than God's love and forgiveness. And the reason I say that is if we sin, we fail, and we start getting so frustrated that maybe we kind of say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, I've done it again. But we're just keep being down on ourselves and keep beating ourselves up. Wait a second. If God forgave you, you need to thank him for that forgiveness. If he cleansed you, quit acting dirty. If he forgave you, quit acting guilty. By faith, claim God's forgiveness. By faith, believe what he said and just say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for being merciful. So as soon as you're conscience, conscious of your sin, you need to confess it. Don't let time elapse between the sin and the confession. Every time you blow your top, or become fearful, or, and I, I, I try to be, I, I, I clarified this depression last week uh, as far as, uh, you know, I believe there, just like somebody can be physically sick, I believe somebody can be mentally sick and so forth. I really believe that. But what I'm talking about is people that just get so self absorbed on, on all woe is me that we just drag ourselves down into. The mully grubs. I mean, uh, just down to this deep, dark place, and everything's bad, and everything's terrible. Uh, but we need to say, you know what, Lord, help me to quit just focusing on myself so much. Help me to think about somebody else. Help me to think about you. Because when we, if we, if we don't do that, we're going to quench and grieve the Holy Spirit of God, as we talked about last week. The instant you are conscious of, the, of that selfish thought or action, confess it and thank God for his faithful forgiveness and restoration. Um, and I want to say, what, biblically speaking, the Bible, by the way, somebody said the, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Somebody said sometimes the best dictionary on the Bible is a dictionary. The verse I quoted in Proverbs tells us what true confession really is. Um, what, it, what, what, what would you say is true confession? Or you could give me what you think is a false confession. Absolutely. True confession comes from the heart. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it comes from the heart, therefore it causes you to change. Um, you know, when I say confession, what do you think most people in, this, in, in America think of right away? What's the image that comes to people's mind when you say, you need to confess your sins? That's right. They're sitting in the booth with the priest, right? That's what they imagine themselves as. That's what they think of as confession. But the problem with a lot of that confession is, confession is not just simply admitting that you did wrong. That's why these aren't the same thing. My first point from last week was, admit it. You know, don't excuse it. Uh, you know, accept it for the sin that it is because confessing is not just saying, I have done wrong. And I said the best dictionary, the commentary for the Bible is the Bible. The best dictionary for the, the Bible is uh, the Bible. The Bible says, whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. That's true confession. Conf true confession is repentance, uh, by the way. People get you know, try to, try to complicate repentance and get all worked up. Some people do preach and teach repentance as a work, uh, and 
and, and they do teach it in a wrong way, but biblically speaking, repentance and confession are basically the same thing because true confession comes from the heart. True confession, here's what this word really means, it's cool. The word literally means confession to say the same thing. So in a sense, when I confess my sins, I'm agreeing with God against my sin. I'm not confessing my sin and still trying to harbor it and hold on to it. I'm confessing my sin and I am uh, agreeing with God. Yes, Lord, this is sin, this is wrong. God, I, I, I want this out of my life. Confession. So true confession. So don't... What's another thing? Some, some of you were Catholic before. Uh, does anybody remember uh, something else that uh, I believe that uh, Catholic people can get maybe when they're in the confessional? And you can help me if I'm wrong on all this. Uh, you can get something if you plan to go sin for later. Anybody know what, knows what that is? Indulgence. You can get an indulgence. Uh, now, has, I, has, anybody, has anybody, I hate to say has anybody, I don't mind saying it has anybody. I hate saying that this next little qualifier. Has anybody else ever tried to get indulgences from God? I can remember as a young Christian, I was, I was, I was saved. Uh, you know, like Kurt says, he, uh, Kurt uh, thinks we ought to use the word Christian a little bit more sparingly than we do. And I, I tend to agree that he's right, even though that I use it synony synonymously with someone who is saved. But a Christian means to be Christ-like. There's not a lot of people that you meet that are truly Christ-like. Uh, but for somebody who was saved, but I was saved by God's grace. Uh, I was, uh, I was it, was, it was a period of time where I was out of church. And I can remember that uh, I would say, oh God, I'm sorry for what, I'm do what I've done. And God, I want you to forgive me for what I'm about to go do as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, that you, you're fooling yourself. That, it does not work that way. Uh, okay, God does not give indulgences. Um, Okay, I mean, uh, the, the Bible says uh, that we need to confess and forsake our sins. If we can, but if we do confess our sins, so how do we handle our weaknesses? How do we handle our sins? Confess them. Uh, also, in prayer, ask your loving Heavenly Father to take away this habit. Look over in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter number 5. And I'm telling you, the Lord's good. And I, I just... I would love for just some agreement and some testimony and some witness today on people that have, that have also experienced God helping them overcome these habits. I said before they, these weaknesses keep rising up again, but how that God's given you victory. And, and can any of you agree that there's some things that used to have a big hold on you that don't have as much of a hold on you as they used to? And though they pop their heads up every once in a while, uh, you know, it's not the same. Okay, so thank God. Thank you for those acknowledgments. Uh, ask your loving Heavenly Father to take, take away this habit. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we, and if we know that we, He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Basically, we can just say, you know, because here's the thing, praying for the will of God. Is it God's will to give us victory over our fear, over our anger, over our selfishness? Does God want us to, to be selfish, angry, and fearful? No. Therefore, it's God's will to give us victory over these things. Therefore, 
These verses make it clear that we can be confident in having the answers to our prayers that we ask according to His will. Therefore, when we ask God to cure our habitual weaknesses, we can be confident that He will. And I love what the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto Him that is able to, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now i got to say something right here. I heard a great statement up at uh, the Church Planners Conference uh, last week. And somebody made the statement that, uh, that I'm going to try to quote it right, but it was a quote that said that God will not do, or that, that God can do what you cannot do. We know that. But then it goes on to say, and God will not do that which you can do. In other words, we can't, you can't sit and watch the news for hours every day and turn around and say, God, I sure hope you'll help me with my worry. Forget about it. You, you, can, you, cannot, you cannot go hang out at the bar and say, Lord, please help me not to want to drink. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. You know, you can't uh, watch pornography or you can't look at, you can't even get close to that. You can't even watch questionable things and say, Lord, help me with my lust. No, we have to do kind of like, uh, you know, what was, was it Job that said, I've made a covenant with my eyes, <laughs> you know, that I will not look on a maid. I mean, for instance, see, if we're going to overcome this weakness, we don't just put it all on God and say, well, it must not be the Lord's will. Because I asked him to take away my worry and, and here I am. No, man, we, we have to do our part. And a part of what our part is, the warfare that we have, it just starts again with the recognizing. Man, get in the word of God. Fill yourself with the word of God. Find some good preachers to listen to. Find some good books to read. Um, and be strengthened. But being in the word of God will help you to identify Remember the one, one of the great gifts that God has given us when it comes to our thought life. How many thoughts can you think at once? One thought. One thought at a time. That's all you've got. Now who controls what you're thinking at, that, at, at a given time? You do. Or either you don't. But either, I mean, it's as in you just give in and let your mind run wild. But what we've got to do when we start to worry, we've got to stop and say, wait, wait, wait a second. You know what? I just need to remind myself right now, Lord, you're good. You care about me. You've got this under control. And come what may, your grace is sufficient. You know, I mean, and, 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 and we, we, we bring in the word of God. Uh, you know, I, I feel lonely. Anybody ever feel lonely? You, you deal with loneliness. Loneliness is one of the, seriously, one of the great uh, issues of, of the world today. One of the top issues of the world today, loneliness. But if you're a child of God, you need to claim a promise when you start feeling sorry for yourself. And you need to say, you know what, I feel lonely, I feel alone, but Lord, you said, see, my mind is saying I'm alone, but God, you said, lo, I'm with you always. You said, I will never leave you or, nor forsake you. So Lord, I, I may not feel like it, but I just want to thank you that I've got the greatest company in all the world right now. Lord Jesus, you're with me. Praise your name. See, you have the ability to do that. And I'm telling you, when, when we do our part, and I'm telling you, here's the cool thing about God, He helps you to do your part, and then He comes in and does His part. So I just got to warn you about that. By the way, do you know how 
I know so much about a lot of these things and excuses and stuff like that because I've made them myself. I've done the same things. Uh, but whatever it is, you can only think one thought at a time. When you know God's word, it helps you to say, Lord, you said this. When temptation feels so strong you can't resist, Lord, you said that all power is given unto you in heaven and earth and that you'll give me that power. You, you said that you're able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think, Lord, I really need you to help me right now. I'm claiming that promise. I've said this many, many times, but I say it because it impacted me so much, and I think it's a great principle about uh, Miss Denise Lance there at the church in Pier. How that, uh, through, if you went through, if you go through her Bible, she's been saved probably now for close to 40 years. Uh, she was uh, born and raised a Catholic gal, but she got saved by God's grace, got into the Word of God, and you go through her Bible, and, and beside uh, verse after verse in the Bible, you'll find uh, these two letters, D.L., her initials, because she was like, yep. That's mine right there. Thank God that applies to me. I, I, th he said he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. I can do all things through Christ. He that, that's, that's mine. And it, I thought that's a great way that she had to approach that. Um, all right, so confess it as uh, sin. We've already said that. Face your weakness. Confess it as sin. Uh, also, believe that God's given him the victory. The Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14, verse 23. Many Christians are hindered right here because they don't feel cured. They don't feel forgiven. What does that, I mean, in, in truth, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, you don't feel forgiven. Sure, it feels great to feel forgiven. But the Bible did not say confess your sins and he's faithful and just to make sure you feel forgiven of your sins. He says, I'll forgive you of your sins. So guess what? Guess what God will do if you confess your sins? He'll forgive you. Guess what God will do if he asks you to help you? He will help you. And whether you feel it or not, man, it's truth. We don't live by feelings. I like feelings as much as the next guy likes feelings. But we're not to live by feelings. We're to live by faith. So if you get your heart in this, right in this church today and you get help from God today, you need to thank him for it. You don't need to be sitting around saying, well, I don't feel like it. No, it doesn't matter. Man, you just thank the Lord for it. Uh, I don't feel forgiven. Just praise God anyway. Shout, rejoice, bless his name because he said you're forgiven. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? And that's the big question, isn't it? Who are you going to believe when God says he forgave you? Him or your feelings? Who are you going to believe when you're making excuses for your weaknesses or making excuses for your sin? Are you going to believe those lies? Are you going to believe the lies of the devil, the lies of the flesh, the lies of the world? Or are you going to believe God? So the way we overcome our weakness is we confess it. We admit it. We confess it. We believe God's given the victory. Uh, again, our feeling has nothing to do with it. Instead, we need to rely on the promises of God and expect His victory. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And remember, that doesn't mean, I've said it a million times, that doesn't mean I, can, I, can't, I can't claim that verse and go dunk a basketball on a regulation-sized hoop today. Just not going to happen. Because it's not saying you can do whatever you want to do. It's saying you can do whatever God wants you to do, whatever God tells you to do. I can do all things through Christ. Um, so... This includes being gracious instead of angry. 
This, this includes being kind. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be mean. You know, what does it, exactly what does it cost? What, what's, I mean, it's just a little bit of effort to say, maybe I'll say something kind. Maybe I'll say something nice. Uh, you can be gracious instead of angry. You can be trusting instead of fearful. You can be giving instead of selfish. You can commit your way unto the Lord instead of worrying about things. The best, probably the best way to accept victory after you meet these conditions, again, is to thank Him for that victory. I like what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, or concerning you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. So thank Him, praise Him, everything, give thanks. Uh, believe that God has given the victory. I'm glad I got victory today. And again... Almost every one of you agreed with me that you can look back and think of times that God's given you the victory. And as frustrated as we may get with ourselves at times, we still need to just be able to look back and say, you know what, man, yeah, I get frustrated with myself. I can't believe I, I got angry again. I can't believe I felt that I fell into worry and anxiety. I can't believe I was selfish again. I can't believe I was lazy again. I can't believe whatever it is I was again. But by the grace of God, we say, you know what, Lord, but I know you've helped me before. And even though I'm not happy with where I'm at in my life today, one thing's for sure, I'm not as bad as I used to be. <laughs> and we've got to do that every once in a while. We need to look at our progress and say, God, thank you that you've brought me to this point. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to be better, but I'm, I, I was a lot worse, amen? And I could be a lot worse. And I'm not where I want to be, but, uh, but I'm not where I'm going to be either. So... Um, Psalm 119, verse 71 says, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Um, I think he was talking about affliction as far as pain and stuff that he was experiencing. But I'll say this too. I, I mention this sometimes because it's been a help to me. There is a benefit in us seeing our weaknesses. And one of the benefits is that it reminds us that it's not dependent on us it reminds us of who we are because let me tell you something until we get a glorified body we still have our old sinful nature and we need to be reminded of that there's some preaching and teaching that almost makes you think that you can change your old nature into new nature that's not what the bible teaches the bible says you have a new nature you have an old nature period and there's people that are trying to reform and get their old nature. Man, no, the old man needs to just die. The old, we just need to recognize, and people might not like to hear this, but we need to hear this, that your old nature is just as wicked, evil, depraved, and deprived as it ever has been. Your old nature is just as wicked, evil, and deprived as anybody's nature. Now, by the grace of God, that doesn't manifest itself. But what we need to realize is that when God saved us, he, there, there remains an old nature. And so when we have these weaknesses, it reminds us, okay, Lord, I was beginning to get prideful. Anybody ever got prideful? I was beginning to get a little prideful in what I'm able to accomplish and what I'm able to do. Uh, I, was, I was getting prideful, and then, uh, but Lord, boy, did you remind me. I don't have nothing to boast about. When God shows you and says, hey, I just need to remind you, 
I want to pick on Ron continually today. I just want to remind you, Ron, this is who you are. This is who you are without what I've done in your life. You just need a little reminder. And sometimes that's what our weaknesses do is it reminds us, Lord, what was I thinking? I can't do this. i got to depend and rely upon you. We need to respond in thanksgiving. Believe that God has given the victory. Responding in thanksgiving is not, the only, is not only the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's also an indication of submission to him and the key that unlocks the spirit-filled life. I'll say that again. Giving thanks to God is a, it, it's a key. It's an indication of your submission to Him, and it's a key that unlocks the Spirit-filled life. Why? Because do you feel like giving thanks when you failed God? You've asked for forgiveness, but you still feel really terrible. Do you really feel like offering? I mean, I'm talking about heartfelt, thank you so much, Lord. No, we don't even feel worthy to offer thanks sometimes. But by faith, we do it anyway. See, Joy is definitely a matter of faith. And we've talked a lot about that. You may not feel like giving thanks, but you can give thanks by faith until you do feel like giving thanks. I think about this in regards to salvation. You know, people a lot of times talk about how joyful they were when they first trusted Christ as their Savior. How joyful they were. Uh, and they, and, uh, but then they don't have as much joy in their lives, and they start to doubt. Man, well, maybe I'm not saved. Is it, is it real? Will I ever get that joy back? And, man, I don't know. I don't really feel saved. And uh, I can remember going through those things in my Christian life early on, but it was a glorious day when I finally th started saying, you know what? Whether I feel saved or not, I'm saved. God said I was saved. I know what he's done in my heart and life, so I'm just going to rejoice in that. And you know what? I literally, I don't, think there's, I don't think there's a day that goes by whether I examine or not if I feel saved. Really. But there's not a day that goes by that I don't rejoice that I am saved. And so somebody said it this way. It's almost like you, uh, by faith, you get to, experiencing by faith is a whole lot better than feelings because faith is a lot more consistent than our feelings and our emotions and so forth. Um, okay, so. Not only do we need to admit it, confess it, and when we do that, thank God for the victory. Uh, and the last thing I guess I'll say this morning, and I'm almost through this. Uh, the last thing I'll say I think this morning, uh, maybe I'll say that this is a short one, but ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says in Luke 11, 13, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give, you, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If you've already faced your weakness of sin, confess them, and ask the Heavenly Father by faith to give the victory, then why not prepare your life for service by asking for His filling again, believing that God has promised to answer your prayer and to abide in His will? Now, remember, if you're saved, every one of us have the Holy Spirit of God. The moment you're saved, we, uh, have, we, the, the Spirit of God moves on the inside of us. But that does not mean that we're being controlled. And that's the idea behind being filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about this Wednesday. But how can you tell if a person is filled with anger? It controls them. It controls what they say. It controls how they act. It controls the look on their face. How can you tell if a person is, is full, of, uh, full of worry? 
Now, you, don't have to, you don't have to look at them long. You certainly don't have to talk to them long. What if, what if a person is just full of love? You see it. Well, that, that's the idea behind being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's that he is, that, that we have surrendered our lives to him. We've surrendered these areas, and we're saying, okay, Lord, I want you to control what I say, what I do, where I go, uh, and so forth. So, Lord, I want to uh, submit myself to your service. And I'll just say this next one. We won't, won't uh, teach it uh, this morning. But another thing that will help us is if we walk in the Spirit and abide in Christ. Um, Galatians 5, 16, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the love of the flesh. John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So the abiding life is the Spirit-filled life. And we'll pick up right there next week. So what are you going to do with your weaknesses? Number one, yeah, don't, don't, don't excuse it. And if it's a sin, confess it as a sin that it is. How often are you going to confess that sin? Every time, amen. Uh, but again, make sure you're doing it heartfelt. We're not trying to buy indulgences here. We're not saying, oh, Lord, forgive me because I'm really about to go off on this person. Doesn't work that way. Uh, no, I mean, Lord, I'm praying for you to help me. And then we just say, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you for forgiving me, number one. Thank you for giving me the victory because you promised you'd give me the victory. I'm glad we can live that way, aren't you? Amen. All right, well, uh, any uh, closing questions or comments uh, before we dismiss this morning? Ron.